Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Rain Stop Play. This week we're looking again at the T20 World Cup. More fantastic cricket has been viewed by everybody around the world. Um, we've got a lot of happiness on the pod. We've got a lot of sadness on the pod from one Mr. Will Singh. We look forward to getting stuck into that. Uh, and it's a full Rain Stop Play today as well. So that's exciting. Uh, there's only one place I'm going to start today and I know why. Uh, listeners, Glenn, how are you? You've been stuck in a lift all morning. Well done for making it out <laughs> and making it on time. What happened? Are you okay? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I don't want to embellish. So thankfully, it was probably 40 minutes max, but it was a pretty horrendous 40 minutes. So I'm on the, long story short, I'm on the seventh floor of a, of a pretty old building. It's the American Studies Department in Iowa City, but it was converted from an old hotel. So it already has like an American horror story aesthetic. Um, and unfortunately, I spent last night, obviously, being Halloween, watching a stack of horrors. Uh, got through Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time, which was which was genuinely terrifying. And um, anyway, so I'm already, you know, a little bit creeped out from all from all the stack of horror I watched last night. And then, yeah, I'm in a rush, right? I've got to pay rent today, first of the month. So I was like, oh, I want to prep for the pod for an hour, but I've also got to run to the bank to put in this check. So I thought, great, I'll take this lovely old lift. Um, so I, uh, so I uh, got you, you obviously getting the bigger story here. So I got in the lift, right? I'm on the seventh floor. I press the first floor where I want to be, want to get off there. I press it and it goes really quick <laughs> it's just, oh it goes like, goes like quicker than usual uh it shows like a great turn of pace <laughs> i was surprised uh it reminded me a bit of that steve bruce i think we joked about it before that steve bruce um twitter meme when he's on fifa running at 99 sprint that's how it felt um anyway we fly down right and it doesn't go to the first floor no 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 it flies straight to the basement and all the places you don't want to be on the day after halloween it's like a no. creepy old basement of an old converted hotel um so i was down there i was like first things first let the boys know the board might be delayed that's yeah we had, we had a, we had a short recording time today and glenn's like lads stuck in a lift Got a anyway so i pressed the emergency button on this lift didn't do anything didn't work. What's that about? <laughs> um, they, just, they just guess you were down there and just come and fish you absolutely out. Absolutely not. You know, I was so lucky I had my phone on me because, as I said, I was just nipping out. This, I didn't have all yeah. my stuff with me, but I obviously put it in my pocket. Um, yeah, I had to basically get in touch with my American Studies cohort. I phoned the American Studies office, which is on the second floor. They didn't answer. They were busy. So I had to text someone, get the direct number of the program coordinator. I phoned her. She had to walk down from the second floor, and we had a very bizarre 
30, 40 minutes of small talk, <laughs> but separated by a lift as we waited for like the emergency people to come. And the thing is, and I'll, I'll leave you with this. She was doing so well, like um, she was super helpful. I like, you know, couldn't ask for more. She was quick and got the people there. But in the last 10 minutes, she was just telling me like how claustrophobic she is and how she's so glad it isn't her in the lift. Oh, right. <laughs> like, she's like, I don't know how you're doing it so calm. If, if I was in there, you know, I get claustrophobic. Oh, I wouldn't want to be in that small space. Are you OK in there? <laughs> <laughs> OK, mate, cheers. I actually had a similar thing happen to me, but there was three of us and it was quite late at night in when I was uh, living in Spain and it was leaving my friend's house. And it was one of those lifts that says four people and it was three people. And when the guy came to f to tell us, you know, we, we had, we'd gone like half a floor. So we were basically still at my mate's house. And when the guy came to sort out, he was asking, wait, wait, how big are the people in there? And it was like two, two tall people and one small person. We were like telling them, oh, it's too big, one little. And he was like, well, too big, one little should be fine. It's only if you put three big people in there, you might have problems. And like that, that was the whole focus of this thing. I was like, are you getting us Not out? about getting just, you out. Yeah. Are you just I've, working out? <laughs> I've got a lift story while, while we're here. We'll talk about some cricket in a minute. Um, it was also in America, Glenn. So maybe this is the thing with their elevators, lifts. Um, we were taking a massive dining table into the sports facility. There were six of us in and it just clonked and went. But because we had the main guy in there, it was only a 10 minute stop. So that wasn't too bad. Um, do you have a lift story? Email us, uh, rains.playpod at gmail.com. We're now a lift podcast. We're now a lift podcast. The cricket sucks. Um, should we say hello to everyone else on the pod? Will, uh, we, swapped, we swapped locations this weekend. You were in Birmingham, I was in London. You got stuck on a train. I got stuck on a train, so it's fun. We all got stuck, stuck places this week. I Personally, yeah. I found the scariest part of Glenn's story was the idea that he still has to cash a cheque. <laughs> <laughs> have, have they not got direct debit in America? Yeah, a bank like transfer. Yeah. Uh, it's a long story. Yes, a lot of places do. <laughs> um, but I enjoyed that story. That's woken me up a bit and, and slightly delayed talking about India. So I'm very grateful to Glenn for that. Very positive. Uh, finally, Zach, any stuck stories this week? You've been in any small spaces, um, inconvenient transport, you know, fill well, us in. I, if not, we can I, go into the cricket. I've got a rail replacement bus to catch on Thursday. Ah, that's about it from Good me. Good luck on that. Uh, with with the luck we had this week, let's hope it gets there. Um, mm. uh, so that's our week's listeners. Let's talk about some cricket. We're going to get into the World Cup very, very shortly, but uh, for like the third time, unfortunately, we've had to start with a horrible story coming out of Yorkshire. Uh, with Azim Rafiq. Um, I, I want to say, I, I don't say I lost track of it, but I thought this was like going to get sorted by the ECB. And there's been a few statements come out. I'm going to let Will uh, take the lead on this because you did a deep dive today. Where are we currently at? And when do we defund Yorkshire? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sorry to listeners who feel like we're in Groundhog Day. I do as well. Wh where we were at the last time that we spoke was, you know, we knew that there was a report written into racism at Yorkshire. We can say racism rather than accusations now because they have accepted. We know in the report that Azim Rafiq was the, was the victim of racial harassment, but they wouldn't let anybody read the report. They've supposedly sent a copy to the ECB, but they're not going to release it publicly. That was the statement of play that we were at. It kind of settled down for a couple of weeks. Again, like you, I sort of thought that was it for news on that for the time until we got the ECB report. And then over the weekend, for some reason, because God only knows who works in the PR department at Yorkshire. They took it upon themselves to release another statement, which this time told everybody. And you could write this as a satire, but 
it would actually probably be less incriminating than what they themselves said in the statement, which is we have investigated ourselves and found nobody guilty of anything. The exact quote, and this is, this is word for word, the club has carried out their, inter their internal investigation following the findings in the report, and we are able to report that there is no conduct or action taken by any employees, players or executive that warrants any disciplinary action. So they decided to write themselves a, a clean check. Gets even more embarrassing, to be fair, in the statement. Like, it's really, really poor. And I, I encourage everyone to go and read the whole thing because it's, it's a shambles. But they then go on to praise Azim Rafiq for raising the issues and say that the club should be proud of its record on diversity and inclusion. So that was a bit of a disaster. <laughs> that came out end of last week. And I thought, well, we're going to have to talk about Yorkshire. But we all know Yorkshire are being awful on this. We'll just touch on it and move on to the cricket. Unfortunately, we have even worse news coming out of this today. So ESPN Crick Info, who do a lot of great journalism um, on this kind of stuff, seem to have got hold of the copy of the report. It's slightly ambiguous how they have done so. It's not been described as a leak, but it kind of sounds that way. They've got hold of, a, of an unredacted copy. Um, and they say they're still working through it, so there could still be news to come out. This is breaking today. But they've um, they've released a piece there with some really, really criminal quotes that, that outline what the report actually found. Um, and they basically go into detail of exactly what behaviour took place towards Azim himself and around the club. Much of it I can't say because we're an audio medium and they contain graphic racial slurs. Um, so I'd encourage everybody to go and read that piece on, on Crick Info. Um, but they basically confirm that, that a number of players, including at least one current senior player, is how they're described, um, did admit to regularly use racial slurs talking to Azim Rafiq. Um, but this was cleared of any wrongdoing by the club on the basis that all of this abuse was what it calls good-natured, friendly banter between players. Which is amazing. It's like we've slipped 30 years back into the past. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that people always used to say. You'd have thought we'd move beyond that now, but apparently not. Incredibly, despite the fact that that's the defence they've gone with and they've said, well, it was friendly banter, so clearly he didn't take it that personally. He would have been that offended. It's all fine. They then say at the same time that there was an incident where Rafiq broke down in tears because of the abuse. And yet apparently this wasn't offensive enough to warrant harassment. This is all in the report, the, the one that they just said they couldn't find any action points or disciplinary um, actions to take. We know that a current senior player of the squad who hasn't been named, and, and we'll talk about that in a minute, is guilty of these graphic racial slurs, which are bad enough that we can't say them on the podcast. That kind of tells you everything you need to know. Somehow it gets even worse because then the report supposedly says it. I mean, it actually criticizes how Azim Rafiq behaved as a victim. It says, quote, he could have been expected to take such comments in the spirit in which they were attended. So it was not reasonable for him to have been offended. Jesus <laughs> just from and a different light. It's just from a different <laughs> ear with this. I can't believe we sat listening to this now. It's just Jeffrey Boycott typing all these statements yeah, out. <laughs> it really, really is. And, and, and you have to wonder, like, who. Like, who did nobody, uh, who signs off on this stuff? Who wrote it? Like, who, what was, who's the intern who printed this off in the office and wasn't like, what the hell are we about to publish? You know, th there comes a point where, like, nobody at Yorkshire seems to have heard of, of any cliches such as when you're in a hole, stop digging, or the cover up is worse than the crime. In this case, the crime's pretty bad, but every time they release a statement, they make it worse and worse and worse for themselves. My question is, how many people have proofread this? How, like, I, when I write an email at work, I might get, you know, two or three. If it's a big email, I might get two or three would proofread this. It's nowhere near the same league as what they're releasing. So how many people are they getting to proofread or are they just not? 
Are they just full head in the sand? Intern can deal with the whole thing. Probably. I mean, there's a there's a really um, extraordinary line in here as well, given all of the PR fluff that they've said about, you know, we we appointed a really serious, professional, independent investigation to do this report. It's nothing to do with Yorkshire. We didn't write it. We didn't investigate ourselves. Well, apparently the investigating team, so professional lawyers who are charged with gathering evidence for it, they looked at all this stuff and found those comments to be, quote, capable of creating an intimidating, hostile, degrading, humiliating or offensive environment. Um, and accepted all of Rafiq's evidence. And then apparently the panel from the club who were charged with making conclusions and recommendations about what to do with that information disagreed. That's what it says. It says the panel does not accept what their own independent investigation found, which was that Azim Rafiq was offended by the comments. And then again, note the transition there. The, right, the investigating team of lawyers who were supposed to actually look at the evidence, they said hostile, degrading, humiliating or offensive. The panel then just goes, well, we didn't think he was offended, so it's fine. It completely ignores all of the other employment and racial harassment issues going on in the background there. So all pretty dark from Yorkshire this week. It kind of seems to get worse and worse every single time we look at it. The other interesting thing, which I think might become an issue as it goes forward this week, um, is this bit about that we know that it's from lots of senior players around the whole time that Azim Rafiq was at the club. But we know that it's one current senior member of the squad who lots of people on social media are speculating about their identity. People asked uh, Craig Info why they had not named that player. Um, and their senior correspondent who wrote the piece, George Double, who's going to the Cricketer magazine, by the way, to be their chief correspondent. So congratulations to him. <laughs> he came out on Twitter today and said that he made the call just as an editorial judgment, not as a legal one, not as anything to do with libel. He just said on an editorial level, they didn't want to name the guy because one, I'm quoting from from his tweet here, he says, one, I don't think scapegoating one person will resolve anything. We're misjudging the situation if we blame an individual because the system's at fault. Two, I fear for him personally. Um, three, I think he and others clearly need some help. Um, and four, he says other opinions are valid. He recognises there's some dispute on this, but it was, it was his editorial call. And I think this is really interesting and I'm curious to, to know what you guys think, because, you know, I totally see the the argument there. And I think clearly he's he's right. that This goes beyond one individual, that the systemic issues and the Yorkshire issues are bigger than that. At the same time, senior player guilty of racial harassment is a is a new story. And as sports journalists, that's probably the kind of thing that you should be covering on the basis of that player by themselves, let alone what's going on outside. For me, I think his, I think the first point he makes in that tweet saying, I don't think scapegoating one person will resolve anything, because I'd feel like the focus then move on to that one person. I think that's a good point. Um, but surely they have to be named at some point. Something has to happen with this, because you're right, that is a news story in itself, and we need to know who they are. Exactly. I, I, I sort of completely agree with the logic, and I think it was perhaps the right decision today, because you don't want to make right take now, the story yeah. in it right now, yeah. Give it a but, week, I mean, imagine, maybe a month. I don't know when yeah. it needs to be broken, I mean, but... It, you know, I, I sort of don't want to name hypothetical names, but you know, to clarify, it's definitely not this person, mainly because they haven't played for Yorkshire in forever. But, you know, imagine the story was Joe Root did this racial harassment, right? That's, yeah. that's England captain, racial abuse mm -hmm. team. It, that's a, clearly a huge story. It's no it's no smaller a story just because the player involved might be less of a big name. No, definitely, because it's, it's, it's someone who's currently playing county cricket, it's currently in the system, currently with all their peers who they might think. And I think he also says, I fear for him. That's quite a damning... Um, thing for George DeBell to say because 
as you said, Will, the the words used in this report are damning. They they really are as horrible as they read. The the thing for me is, and I understand George DeBell's first of all, Will, brilliant summary, uh, as always. Um, I understand George DeBell's points, and if we knew that Yorkshire were going to be punishing him internally, fine. Good I understand point. the points, yeah. but we know that's not going to be happening. We, but we know for sure that's not going to happen. Even if it was kind of they've said they're doing something internally, but they've not told us what it is or anything, then, you know, I'd be more likely to accept this. But the fact that we know there's definitely not going to be doing anything because they've said that they're not doing anything, you know, it doesn't sit well with me. Almost like the public pressure needs to then come on there. Like we need to know the name and, and we'll try and hold these people to more account than Yorkshire can at the minute. I think the public could, could do a better job of that. Yeah, I think the tweet that um, Yorkshire put out was was just extraordinary the way it was uh, worded. It was club statement in capitals. Yorkshire County Cricket Club is pleased. They used the word <laughs> pleased. Honestly, what? Honestly. What? To announce the actions it has taken. Uh, it should say bracket nothing, but it doesn't since they received the report prepared by the independent panel in August this year. And I will just quote a tiny bit from the statement, which which obviously was um, really, really nicely already summed up. I'm just quoting a tiny bit from it. As you said, well, the club has also carried out their own internal investigations following the findings of the report, after which they were able to report that they have come to the conclusion that there was no conduct or action taken by any, by a single employee, player or executive that warrants disciplinary action. So they're pleased to find that everyone, everything's good. They're delighted. It's like it, it's like something you'd see on um, on the thick of it or some like spoofy yeah. show. Like they could do, you know, Yorkshire thick of it or the one they did for the Olympics, just face it at Yorkshire. Like it's just it, it's beyond pathetic. And it looks so petty and churlish. Like, as you've rightly said, like, uh, well, just just stop digging. Like it just, you know, it beggars belief. And we have it in the chat when, when there's an update. And I mean, I just look at my phone genuinely in disbelief the way they're handling this. It's I mean, what sanctions are going to happen? What is the ECB going to do? Because at the minute, Yorkshire are just putting their middle finger up to everyone involved in this entire thing. And they're just laughing. I wish we lived in the parallel universe where they where Amazon were doing an all or nothing when this first started to happen. Oh, wow. That would be some television. They'd call it, it nothing. There wouldn't be <laughs> <laughs> nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. The Yorkshire special. <laughs> Everything's fine. I said to Will before we came on to record, actually, the, the statement is basically saying Yorkshire are pleased to announce that Yorkshire have found that Yorkshire did nothing wrong. That's exactly what this is. It's crazy. And we laugh because of how farcical this whole thing's been. But it's it's a terrible situation, obviously, for Azim Rafiq. But I think one thing he in particular and and we as as people who want to see Yorkshire being held to account have is that most of cricket, most cricket journalists in the UK, at least that I've noticed uh, are really on this and are and are sort of pestering uh, the governing bodies to, to really sort this out. So it's not going away anywhere soon. It's not going away quietly. And it's just getting a bit weirder and weirder. But we will stay on it as um, the real journalists are doing um, and keep talking about it because it is important. Um, But we can now talk about some real cricket, which is exciting. Um, The World T20. And I want to just get a quick vibe check from the boys. Um, Went all weird. I don't know why I said that. Um, What are we thinking of this World Cup? Like, it's a bit low scoring for me. There's not been many thrillers. We're going to come on to how well England are doing in a second. But, you know... I do like the times of this World Cup. It does it does fill my day up. But a vibe check on the cricket so far. Anybody got any any passionate statements about this? One thing I was thinking earlier was I remember when we were kind of doing our predictions, and I, I feel like this happens a lot when we do predictions. <laughs> Don't start us on that. 
Yeah, yeah. You just think immediately, like, well, my prediction's obviously going to be right, and there's not really many other alternatives. <laughs> <laughs> particularly when we did that middle podcast, Dan, because all of those teams, pretty much all those teams, we were like, these guys are so bad, there's no way they're going to qualify. It was basically, we said at the time, you know, Australia, awful. South Africa, pretty awful. New Zealand, pretty bad. And we said Afghanistan would be quite good if they are good, but, you know, they're not amazing. And then we said Pakistan were good. It was like, at that point, I was like, well, I don't really think there's going to be many teams challenging for the semi-finals by, the, by this stage. Whereas actually, now we've got some really interesting permutations, which I'm sure we'll come on to. And I, for me, that's keeping me going. That's I look at the point. games, I think the way they've done the fixtures for group two, I don't like because all the big teams basically played each other in that first week. Now we've got a lot of, I mean, Namibia, I, I want to watch Namibia, but like they're not necessarily going to be the most competitive games watching them play Pakistan, New Zealand and India in the next week. And then the same for Scotland, only they, they've all got, they've got to play all play Scotland as well. So, you know, I think that was kind of maybe poor scheduling. Yeah. A couple of things. Uh, I really good point there, Zach. Yeah, I, I'm. I think I'm growing into the tournament. I think the first couple of days of the of the of the Super Twelves, I felt a little bit a little bit cold. Again, I I, I will. I feel like a bit of a broken record, but the time difference over here is really atrocious. I basically can't watch that first game of, if it's two two in a day. Um, but I've grown into the nine o'clock. So my mornings are actually pretty free. I'm pretty um busy in the afternoon. So I've really just enjoyed get, just waking getting up. stuck in various lifts across buildings. Yeah, aren't that's a full time job. I'll see if I get TMS from the broken lift. Um. But yeah, I, I've grown into it. I mean, obviously, without, you know, I don't want to go into too many of the narratives we're going to discuss today, but I think there has been some shocks. I think some of the bigger teams have failed where we weren't expecting them to. Uh, I've loved the ascendancy of Pakistan. As an England fan, I mean, I've been blown away um, by the quality I've seen from our team. On the other hand, I feel for the minnows who are burnt out. I don't quite know if the structure works. Again, is that something we can talk about for two minutes uh, today? Because like they come into it, they come into the tournament having played, as we may have mentioned on the pod before, you know, three hyper-competitive games, um, while the rest of the teams, who are obviously by nature better, that's just the reason these the minnows are playing in the in the kind of pre-group process. Uh, they've been resting, you know, they've been playing, we've all been playing warm-ups and stuff, but there's a million uh, miles of difference between a warm-up and a knockout, basically a de facto knockout game. So I really feel for Scotland especially, just seemed absolutely knackered. Uh, Namibia are doing their best, but again, they seem tired. Um, yeah, and there's a lot of teams that I think don't really offer very much who are just kind of hanging around. Um, you know, West Indies have been a disaster. Yeah, India. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Will's here. Um, but, you know, the kind of Bangladesh, South Africa, to an extent, Australia just haven't haven't been very entertaining to watch and they've been low scoring games to start off with. I will say there's been a couple, obviously, of really nice tight finishes the last few days. Um, I did enjoy the, the England game today. That was close than I was expecting. And there has been a couple of photo finishes. But yeah, generally, it's a shame. I'm already, you know, halfway, you know, my head's halfway through to the knockout stage, especially as England are basically there at the minute, which is um, which is a shame to be already your head's already in the semifinal, which I think speaks to Zach's point about it being top heavy at the start of the Super 12s. And there's all those big clashes. Obviously, they probably should be towards the end of the tournament. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to agree with you there, Zach. I've, I, yeah, I haven't made my mind up yet. It's been all right. And the lack of fans, I think, is is certainly going to be part of this process. That's a good point. I think me and Will were saying again before we came on to record that it's a bit weird that England have just finished their fourth game today and India barely finished their second yesterday. India's game's been so spread out. Uh, it's felt a bit weird. The game the fixture felt a bit random. 
but there is a bit of narrative to keep up with and let's go through that now uh, hot off the presses today England beating Sri Lanka by 26 runs this was a fun game um, I think for neutrals as well it would have been it, it stayed fairly interesting until um, England turned on the afterburners at the end of their uh, fielding display Joss Butler Joss Butler he's having a great tournament and we can should we talk about this game as well the Australia game and just talk about England in general uh Obviously, two top innings from Butler. He joins that illustrious list of players. Zach, I'm going to come to you on this. You're going to be buzzing. Uh, I got out of my seat and cheered when that six went. Not obviously because Butler got his hundred. And obviously because England were in a great spot, but also because he was on that list. Uh, the first man to do it uh, for England. Obviously, had the night already on that list for the women. So yeah, good for Butler, right, Zach? And Kieran, what other men are on that list? I've forgotten most of them. Yeah, what other men are? I, sorry, I, I know I do. I've got, I've, I can name a few of them. So Glenn Maxwell is what, one who stands up to me as a current player uh, who's on there. We've also got um, David Warner is on there, unsurprisingly. Yeah. We, we should explain, because I don't think you actually said it, Dan. These are players with centuries in every format. <laughs> I did I not say that out loud. No, I didn't. Centuries in every format. I just, I just I knew what you meant. It's just Zach's list. Zach's list. <laughs> and Zach forgot his According list. to Zach. <laughs> He said Glenn Maxwell and Dan was about to throw up. <laughs> Kevin O'Brien as well. Because that was the thing. When Kevin O'Brien entered the list, it was, there's an Irishman on the list, but not an Englishman. Uh, Brendan McCullough, Mahela Jaya-Wardner, Suresh Reiner, Dilshan. I think there's, there's uh, now 15 men on the list, and Heather Knight is the only woman. Oh, wow. So that list being a century in all three formats. Thank you, Will. Century in all three formats, yes. Reminded a century. Not, not Zach's Amazon Prime wish list for Christmas, <laughs> which he could well have been. <laughs> um, this was a great knock. This was a, this was good for England because it was a different way of winning, batting first for the first time in the tournament, um, struggling a little bit. They were, at, they were like, what, 49 for three after 10? Something horrible like that. A great partnership between Butler and Morgan. Uh, and then they both accelerated nicely. So this was good, wasn't it? I think... Butler looked in good nick coming into the tournament and got runs in the warm-up games. And luckily for England, with Roy and Milan and Bess are not quite firing yet, he is there to, to keep this thing going at the minute. Um, I, I, I don't want to say I'm worried about England because we've won four from four, but there, there was times today where I felt a bit itchy. I think we all did. I, I think today just shows why I'm genuinely so nervous um, about the knockout stage, about the semi-final final. Um, and I can, we can say that because obviously it's mathematically possible that England qualify, but as we all know, they will. Um, yeah, the, to, you know, anything can happen. That's w w one of the major, major things I think we all love about 2020 is a game can change in, you know, three balls and over and a game can be completely flipped on its head. And yeah, although England... Did um, did show they can um, come back from a really rough start. Uh, they were 35 for three. Uh, obviously, Roy Milan and Bairstow getting a golden duck were dispatched pretty early by the Schlenken bowlers who started off brilliantly. Um, so the positives, yeah, we can we can come back from uh, from a pretty uh, rough start like that. Yeah, almost the chase worried me more than the batting because obviously Butler's hundred was stunning and Morgan, I was delighted that he played himself into some nick. Uh, we were saying, uh, we were chatting throughout the game and we were just saying, can he hit his wicket? He was like, you know, 10 off 20 <laughs> on balls. It was but, horrible. But about when he think, you know, when he got into the 30s, even when it was still off, you know, maybe you know, similar balls, um, 
about 100 strike rate. I did just think for a minute, they, well, A, this is the innings he needed. He came in early, had plenty of time to bat himself into Nick. B, I think there was, he had three sixes, almost all of which were middled and actually quite giant. A few of them were mm. really, really big shots. And it was basically exactly what we needed for Morgan. So, you know, strike rate by the end was only 111, which again isn't, you know, superb for, for T20. Don't get me wrong. But the, the context of which him and Butler came in, uh, well, Butler was already there, but him coming in to support the opener uh, with players back, the ball turning. It was a really bad pitch to bat on, like the ball was staying flat and low, and it just seemed really tricky conditions. For him to basically, uh, well, they got 100 partnership. I mean, that is fantastic between Butler and Morgan. And then for us to go into the field uh, and defend it with Mills, one of our major bowlers, uh, and potentially getting injured. He couldn't finish his spell. Uh, looks like potentially a muscle injury there. So, the, yeah, the positives were great. The negatives were, I, I felt like we let Sri Lanka back in when we shouldn't have. I thought the game was kind of done and dusted after about 10 overs of their chase. And I looked up from, you know, doing a little bit of reading and suddenly they were right back in the game. And genuinely, until some really extraordinary fielding um, from Roy and Milan and basically the whole fielding unit was superb without some moments of magic in the field. I think Hasaranga was actually going to potentially lead Sri Lanka. If that had gone for six and hadn't been caught, I would have I would have put my money on Sri Lanka to win. So tough. But one more thing I will say, because obviously I want to let everyone else talk about this as well, because pretty much we all watched it. But Dan, I do I do want to note that obviously it's been really really difficult to defend totals um, uh, in this tournament so far. Very few teams have done it. So the fact that we were you know um, that we were batting first and then we uh, did manage to defend that, which hasn't happened very often, that's another massive positive for me so i'm going in feeling positive but i agree with you this isn't like unconditional support and love there's there's a couple of cracks in the 11 that you do worry about when it is a straight shot 20 overs 20 overs if you're out you're out yeah really good point there glenn i completely agree i, I was glad when i saw us batting first i was like we need this what before <laughs> i jump into england kudos to sri lanka i want to want to give mm-hmm. some respect to sri lanka I did their preview. Today. yeah i did their preview and i was you know, I wasn't too excited about them, but they, you know, they saw off the they saw off the minnows, the other minnows in their group, pretty pretty easily. They were really close to beating South Africa. They beat Bangladesh in a really good chase, and they were really close to beating England today. And you know, if if they'd have won even one of those two games against South Africa and England, they'd be right in the hunt. And you like today, they they could have been right in the hunt. They are now all but out. There's a weird. I think they're they're. A couple of days ago, there was still a weird group of permutations that meant a team with four points could go through if like a weird run of results. It was like uh, Ben Gardner from Wisdom did a piece that, that Bangladesh could still go through if these eight results happen or something weird. Like it's that. the same <laughs> way that there's some way now that England can't go through. It's like, a, like what on earth has to happen? What, what, what witchcraft needs to occur for that to happen? So, yeah, they're probably out, but they were feisty today. And it's a young team. Hasarang is actually really good, despite a bit of quiet IPL like. He sees himself, I read today, as more of a batter who can bowl a bit. I think everyone generally sees it the other way around, but in his Love eyes, that. he's more of a batter. But he was, I thought he was fantastic in both Superb. today. Superb. Superb. Um, so, yeah, good for Stranka. And uh, we can keep talking about England again. We battered Australia. That was class, wasn't it? Just from a, like a pure England v Australia thing. And Australia were terrible. Um, it's all working a little bit well. Where do we see this Mills injury going? He looks pretty much, he looks in a in a world of trouble, really, which is a shame because he's only just come back from injury. And that's a pretty key part of England's attack. He was so good in the first three games, that sort of third change, I guess, coming on in the ninth to the 15th, 16th over. Where can England go with that? Is Mark Wood fit again? If not, do we have to bring someone like David Willey in, which would, which would bolster the batting for sure. But yeah, I agree with Zach's face there. I don't think we wanted to bowl <laughs> those kind of overs. So 
Where do England go from there? Um, I will say that during the game, it was interesting. It's not often that Morgan and or the coaching team get anything wrong on the field. They were honestly almost flawless today in terms of positioning, field placings, just general athleticism. But they did arguably slip up when they asked um, Wokes to finish that over. Um, that Mills couldn't because he got injured, right? So you got one of your basically, obviously our opening bowler, um, one of our major quicks, at least in this tournament, which as of the Chris Wokes podcast, TM, we love to see. Um, they got that wrong because that meant that he couldn't bowl another full over, which in turn meant that Moeen Ali basically had to bowl, I think, what was the penultimate slash last over it of the game. The end, 19th, yeah, yeah, it was. But uh, uh, that, they, couldn't, they couldn't have predicted where Shranka were at that point, i.e. dead pretty much. Because if Hasarang was still in versus Moeen, it could have been a bit worrying. Absolutely. So that that felt like a bit of just maybe a, a moment of just overconfidence, uh, you know, feeling good in the field. Oh, yeah, we'll give it to our quick. He he shouldn't have been the person to finish that. So that's just an interesting, really minor point, just picking up on the small things because they're, they're what's going to define a semi-final or a final. Um, on the other hand, yeah, I don't really know. I'm not I'm not sure there was a bit of chat on comms. Uh, about Mark Wood's fitness. Uh, yeah, and it's like he always feels touch and go. That's unfortunately just the way it is for him. He hits the ground so hard because he's such a quick and fantastic bowler. He's just ridden with injuries for recent years, which is such a shame for him. I mean, yeah, if he can't, if um, Mills can't play, Wood can't come in for him, at least in my opinion, it does It does lighten this bowling attack a little bit. It looks a little bit less fearsome. Um and yeah, it is a worry. And again, it was a, the thing maybe a muscular injury. I, I don't think he'll be fit for the next game, but obviously hopefully resting for the rest of the group stage. But yeah, he definitely pulled up. And even before that, it might be in tandem with the injury, but he didn't look quite as on the money as he had been earlier in the tournament slash for earlier this year as well. He's been such a fantastic bowler in this calendar year. But yeah, little things. I still think batting, I feel relatively confident. I mean, we bat so deep. I mean, you know, Moeen barely hit the ball. Wokes can get 50s in T20. Didn't even come onto the field today. So Batting, I do feel a bit more confident in. Although, although, should we just have a 30-second, should Milan be in this team? It's a bit of a broken record, but none Glenn, of us It will turn, it will turn into it. 30 minutes if we're not careful. Um, I know <laughs> should he be there? Like yes this. or no's? Yes or no's? <laughs> uh, I think we all yeah. stand in the it's same side of that debate. It's just a no. It's just a, it's just a flat no. Um, has Livingston batted this tournament? I think he's had one bat so far. Get him out there. You know, I don't know. Anyway, we've come on to that. England are doing just fine. Yeah, England are doing just fine. And I and I really enjoy that this tournament's going so smoothly that despite the fact that we always ruin the teams we're talking about on this podcast and get really nervous about them, the biggest issue that you can find is a bowler who wasn't in the 11 about two weeks ago might be injured for a game. <laughs> I think you're all right. We're also allowed to choose the way we win because I'm like, this is a good win to have. We needed this kind of win, as opposed to India, which I can't wait to come on to in a second, who oh. would just love a win of any kind or a display. Begging for one. Begging for one. I, the th- so I, w- I want to talk about the the kind of options we have with, because Mills is going to be out for the next game. I think that's, yeah, definitely. Oh, I, I think we can, although I did see one positive thing on Twitter that said maybe he didn't necessarily look that injured, maybe because he knows his body so well now it's that he saw kind of a sign of getting injured. So that's a you know, positive person on Twitter. You know. Very glass half full. I like that. I like that. Spin. Yeah, I, I, like, I, thought, I thought I'd bring that to the party because otherwise, you know, he's probably out for the rest of the tournament. <laughs> I, with, with Wood, again, glass half full, I'm hoping it's kind of been a case of, well, we don't need to risk him because things have been going well, but that we could bring him back and risk him, you know, because there was talk of him being fit for the Australia game and then they didn't risk him. And then, you know, by that, you know, he could be fit. He could have been fit for this game. So hopefully Wood's fit. If not, 
Tom Curran is the other option in the uh, squad. Forgot about yeah. Tom Curran. Yeah, Will's I know face. it's underwhelming, Will. <laughs> he, he he bowled. He didn't bowl badly um, for Delhi in in the games he played for them in the second half because he's got the cutters and on this, you know, on these low slow pitches. I think he could, you know, he could do a job for England. I know, but he's just he's just so ordinary, isn't he? It would it would actually. Be, I think I'd prefer oh, Tom Curran as a cricketer if he was quite bad. Yeah, it's the fact he's that he's so, just so the road. aggressively mediocre. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I had forgotten about him. I think he's probably a better option. Than everyone, everyone on Twitter is saying get Mahmood on a plane. Yeah, yeah, that's why yeah, I was, I was, I was that. about to say when when is when is Mahmood flying out there? How long yeah. is his quarantine that would mean he's ready for the semi final? Hopefully, but um, because Reese Topley was the one who came into the squad, he's the travelling reserve now that Sam Curran was injured. So Reese yes. Topley is also there, but I'd much rather have Saqib Mahmood. I think England would. I think we all would, really. Um, but like Will said, these are nice things to be worrying about as an England fan. Um, Semantics. All's well. And doubly nice thing, even if people are a bit injured, despite the weird mathematical permutations that Zach's talking about, you can basically take the next next game off pretty much. Exactly. Rest them up, get ready for up. the semi-final, whoever that'll be against. And what I love about this tournament is that no matter where you finish, you're going to have a tough team in the semi-final. It's <laughs> not like, oh, you're seeded one. You're going to, you know, you're going to get a tough team, I think. Except... Are it's you? He's not Pakistan. <laughs> Just avoid yeah. Pakistan. Okay. Open, open, open conversation for the floor here, and I'll and I'll say that I'll say this as a prediction now, so that it's wrong. Is it not just blindingly obvious that there's only two good teams in this tournament? It deserves to be an England Pakistan <laughs> final, and everyone else is pretty poor. Yes, I, I agree with that. But like, how many times have you seen England at ICC tournaments be all right and then lose to a team that haven't looked good? I know, but they're not they're not fluffing the lines to. New Zealand or Afghanistan, are they in a semi-final? Yeah, I don't maybe. Think so to New Zealand, <laughs> to Afghanistan, to Afghanistan. Afghanistan are tasty. Mm, that's why I want New Zealand to qualify. And we're ruling out India, and that's a perfect segue, Will, to talk about the debacle of the Indian 2020 T20 oh. World Cup run. What's going on over there, Will? Help us out. Sort of. I hope this can be cathartic for you as well. But well, that lost India. Uh, sorry, that lost New Zealand was brutal. We can't rule them out just yet. Apparently, there's a 6% chance that they still qualify. Who would have thought it would be that low after two games, man? That is well, I mean, crazy. It's, it is shambolic. And you mentioned <laughs> the scheduling earlier, which is really, really weird. And I don't understand how this has happened. England have played just played their fourth game. And 24 hours ago, India just played their second, which would be weird enough. But the individual permutations are even stranger. Because obviously, we started with India-Pakistan. Then New Zealand went and played Pakistan. Then New Zealand immediately turned around and 48 hours later played India, which feels like there should have been like an Indian-Namibia game in the middle, but wasn't. Yep. So weird. And yeah, it's pretty funny that we're having a post-mortem after two games. That's what happens when you have to play the two toughest games in the group straight away. Um, it's not really an excuse. You, at the end of the day, you have to beat at least one, preferably both of those two, if you're going to qualify out of this group. Um, so they they sort of deserve everything that's coming to them, and they didn't play well in either game in either department. If I have any department, because the field it was catastrophic as well. So yeah, you don't deserve to be in a semi final. Having said that, a lot of the sort of immediate discourse afterwards was split between two camps. One being the sort of aggressively reactionary Indian fans who who have just sort of the same people who decided that Mohammed Shami was a traitor to the nation after the first game you know you know the sort of the sort of Virat Kohli's a fraud or Sharma's terrible or you need this guy in here and all this kind of stuff all the like immediate panic that's one camp the other camp is sort of much more level-headed much more correct and know about Twitter camp 
the sort of wisdom and actual cricket journalists and all the all the all the crickviz guys who know their data zach and i were both listening to the um to the twitter spaces yesterday that crickviz are doing after pretty much every, it's every game or after every, I'm, every i'm really big enjoying game. these these are fun yeah they're really nice little like daily daily mini podcasts um, but they was they sort of had equally as kind of structuralist interpretations of what happened. They were like, is this about how good the IPL actually is or India's selection policy or whether they've got too many of the same kind of batsmen and whether Vera and Rohit could play together and are they vulnerable against the same kind of bowling and all this stuff. And, and, and it's easy to get sucked into all of that narrative. At the end of the day, when you step back, it's not the reason that they lost that game or either of them. They just didn't play very well in either game. The problem with the New Zealand match, and I'll be honest, I only watched half of it. I watched the India batting. I was on a train and I thought I can't face it after I can't face watching the whole New Zealand bowling. (laughs) I I just got no interest in that. Um, But what was noticeable is the collapse happened in kind of two distinct stages. The first was losing a bunch of wickets in the power play, which doesn't help. Um, But as I think Zach put in our group chat earlier today, the, the results in the power play, maybe you have the numbers in front of you, Zach, weren't too dissimilar for that India game as opposed to the England and Australia performances. You've got vastly different scores at the end of the day. I I do have those numbers. It was from uh, Jeff Lemon from The Final Word. And it was Australia were 41 for four and made 125. That was against England. India were 48 for three. So in a better position, Australia made 110. England were 47 for three. So pretty much exactly the same. Of course, it was against Sri Lanka and it was against New Zealand. But I would say Sri Lanka and New Zealand's bowling attacks, are, you know, they're not too quality wise. And obviously they are different, but quality wise, they're not too dissimilar. And England made 163. Yeah, so exactly. So that bit's sort of a problem, but but not terminal. And also a lot of people criticising the supposedly conservative approach at the top of the order, which I think is sort of generally fair. But actually in that game, I don't think it was a pretty good example of that. I thought, you know, Ishan Kishan was clearly trying to hit it from the off, just didn't and got out. Kale Rahul played a couple of really, really nice shots and then played pretty much his favourite shot and just caught, got caught a few metres in front of the boundary. That was the first turning point. But when him, when it was him and Rohit, they placed quite nice shots, got a couple of boundaries each. So that was kind of fine. Then the second stage of the collapse was you had this sort of three to four innings period where it was Vera and Pant. And you and that you were thinking, okay, this now needs to accelerate after you've lost the wickets. And it just didn't happen. They, they trundled along at slightly less than a run of ball for a few overs. Then Vera got out. Then you had this horrible, like perverse Hardik-Pant partnership, which should be everything I want from Indian cricket and be fun. And we send out the klaxons on Twitter saying Pant ball. It just didn't happen. And then they both got out in turn. It just sort of stuttered and collapsed. And I don't know that you can draw that much into that event other than they didn't bat very well in the day and New Zealand got their bowling plans right. So that that pan, um, Hardik, um, Hardik partnership was 20, 22 off of about 26 balls, I think. So that's that's not what you expect, is it, from, from Pant and Hardik? That's exactly what we want, like you say, Will. We and, want and, to see those two bat together and, and just hit sixes. And across those two partnerships, there was a period of about 60 balls without hitting a boundary. It was like watching Rajdan again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just want to say I think it's it's a criminal offence. I think if you allow Mitch Santner to go for four overs for 15 runs, an economy of 3.75, you should just get on knocked flight out. one. Knocked out. I mean that should be instant. A Mitch Santner spell for under maybe seven over seven and over should just be instant elimination. I mean I was watching him trundle in it's like a Sunday game. He's just popping it up. They were just noodling it back to him. It was diabolical. What's that about? <laughs> 
to I mean, respect to Mitch Santner. I know. Where did this Mitch Santner hate come from? Out of nowhere. I'm a big in. fan. I'm a big fan. <laughs> no, I do like him. It's just funny. He just looks so average all the time. He's just flawed with the bat as well. Everyone thinks he's all around, but he's a flawed with the bat, and he bats in glasses. That's enough for me. Um, any more in India, Will? Before before we we hop into the other teams and, and catch up with them. I mean. How do they even get through, win all these games by like 100 runs and hope some results go to their side? I don't really know. I'd love to move on from India, but I think Zach has more to add. I just, I like that you have, I can understand the, the issues with the bowling against um, against Pakistan, but you mentioned that the bowling was bad against New Zealand. Obviously, it wasn't amazing, but they weren't, they didn't have much hope, I don't think, really. They, you know, Jadeja went for a few, Shami went for a few, Takor looked really bad. Takor looked like a batsman who he looked like a batsman who bowls a bit, which isn't <laughs> the way around it works for Takor. So yeah, I, I think it's harsh to to criticise the bowling to 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 a certain extent. It's harsh to to kind of single it out, but also it didn't look good. Pandya bowling, I I think I said in the chat at the time it was a bit of a maybe they're just trying to sneak a couple overs of Pandya, get him kind of a bit of match fitness. You know, almost the opposite of like say. You know, Harry Kane's coming back from an injury and he comes on for the last 20 minutes when Tottenham are 3-0 up, but not that not that ever happens. But, um, you know, the last down, 20 maybe. minutes. <laughs> but, yeah, well, exactly. That's what it was like, though, wasn't it? Pandia's, we'll, we'll, we'll bowl a couple overs of Pandia because, you know, we're going to lose this game anyway. We might as well get him a couple overs in the in the legs. Yeah, I think it was worse than that. It's not even it's not even a match fitness thing. It's just, as you say, we're losing the game anyway. We may as well bowl him so that people shut up about selection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, he's an all-rounder. He bowled. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, poor India. We'll see what happens. Poor India. I love it. It's been one of those stories of the tournament. What about? It's, it's, it's hilarious. It's class. The favourites are bottling it. It's, it's brilliant. All I can hope is that we do have another 20, T20 World Cup in about five minutes. And I hope <laughs> that, that it's like, it's a, it's a year. It's, it's a year. Um, I, I, I hope this can be like your sort of England 2016 moment. Have a rethink of the philosophy. What are we doing? And also, as I keep saying, just play the IPL All-Stars Banter 11. Please, I beg you. I want I want Ishkish and like Venkatesh opening, because why not? All, all your SKYs, your, your um, Nitish Rana in the middle, if you want. Gaikwad, just throw them all in. Why not? Uh, one, one thing on that. I One thing on the next year's... T20 World Cup. I hate to say it, but I, I could actually see it getting worse because this one is in where they've played the IPL for the last two years and next year's in Australia. So, yeah. which, which is going to highlight one of, I, I was slightly dismissive of it, so we should probably talk about it, that there are kind of structural explanations for why India might not be so good. One being that because of the IPL, none of their players go and play in T20 franchise leagues around the world, which definitely doesn't help in terms of facing different tactics and bowlers and conditions, which, yes, is going to be a much bigger issue next year than it was this second should thing. It should be this year. It should be this year. This should, should be perfect, be. right? Next, next possible disaster. I've already seen. I mean, we know Virat Kohli's going as captain. So who's going to be the next captain? We don't know. It's probably Rohit Sharma. But I've. It, who knows? We could get more reactionary nonsense from the BCCI and have a rogue pick. Somebody on Twitter I saw is suggesting Rashad Pant should be the captain, which oh, has got wow. has got comical collapse written all over it. So. Let's see. It'd, be, it'd be worth watching for a year, especially at a major oh, yeah. tournament. I'd be oh, thinking. Yeah. I don't know. Would it be? Because I think it could be one of those things that just ends his international career at age 26. He just decides I'm never playing in India ever again. I'm going to go and play all these franchise tournaments around the world, which, you know, maybe not that'd too be good bad. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> Can we, if we could see Rishabh in the 100, I'd be going down to the Oval every but, week. But Rishabh in Test cricket, though. 
That would be no Rishabh in Test cricket. That'd be that sad. would be a loss. That'd that would be, be a huge loss. Um, right, should we talk about the other teams? Because uh, there are <laughs> other teams in this tournament, unfortunately. And the main question here is like, obviously England and Pakistan, I think we've agreed, is the final that we all want to see. Who else squeezes through? I think especially from England's group, I can't quite, who's the worst, best worst out of them? I tried to say on the preview that South Africa will get to the semi and I was ridiculed. <laughs> And you're still in with a shout, but I I'm think we mine and Glenn's shout of Australia has it. I know they were they, terrible. They just have to beat Bangladesh and then not get destroyed by England. And they might get there. I had a friend of mine uh, claim to me just before the South Africa-Australia game that South Africa are going to win the whole World Cup because he decided because they had Quinton de Kock, Rivada and Nokia, that was enough. And... To be fair to him, it's actually not as bad as it was in that game. I was ridiculing him about half an hour in because Sri Lanka were, you know, nine, they, they finished on 115 in that game. But yeah, they've not been bad. I think they've got a chance. And also, like we said about the England game, England, they're not through yet. But I think by then they will be because the game earlier on, there's there's because we, West Indies, are, West Indies that can't catch them. Australia can, but Australia have to beat whoever they've still got left to play. Bangladesh, they've got Bangladesh midweek and then on Saturday, Saturday morning, they play... West Indies. West Indies, yeah, that's right. So that, that, could, be, that could be a big game. Everyone's got to win all their remaining games, which is impossible because they're playing other teams in the group. So I just well, don't... Why, I don't why aren't England through yet? Why, why isn't it a confirmed thing? England Math. are through, surely. Uh, they have to be. Not technically. No, because no, South, South Africa and Australia don't play each other, so they could both win two uh, and then have a higher net run rate with three teams tied on eight points. Wow, well, wouldn't that be fun? I mean, well, it wouldn't be, obviously. I, Although I, I can't. Australia's net, net run rate. England's net run rate is currently plus three. Australia's minus zero point six. South Africa plus zero point two. So, <laughs> I mean, I think it's probably one of those things. They both have to like score two hundred and fifty and bowl them out for eighty in both their games, and then England could go out. Okay, I mean, it would, it would be who, quite who's funny. going through? Who's going through out of, of those two though? Because I think, and we haven't spoken about the De knee situation because I don't think we have the time or energy to. But Glenn did put a great tweet out on our uh, account, basically summing up how we feel about that. Um, but who of these teams is actually going through? I'm still back in Australia, Glenn. I think we're in. I think we're. I know they're not great. They were terrible against England, but I, I still think they'll they'll get through somehow. Two words, winning mentality, as they demonstrated <laughs> against England. <laughs> I can't wait for that Saturday morning, Australia versus the West Indies, the winning mentality derby. <laughs> winning mentality derby. I will say one thing. You've got a feel for Bangladesh, right? They've been clobbered in every game so far. Yes, yeah, so, 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 some of them have been tight, but they've terrible, lost terrible, Glenn. Don't feel yeah, for Bangladesh. Wait, no, no, wait for this, wait for this. And then their next two opponents, <laughs> Australia and South Africa, who are like, must win, must demolish the next team we play to stay. Yeah. If I thought the Bangladesh and, and did I imagine I think Shakib's out for the for the rest of the tournament. I think He's I saw yeah, Twitter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it's just yeah. just give up, go home, get on, get on the flight. What's <laughs> it's just atrocious. And again, this will again come back to I don't like the the minnows playing before because again, even Bangladesh have come in a little bit knackered. But yeah, I really feel for their coaches. Imagine that your star players out, you got Australia one morning, and you've got a pretty hungry South Africa the next. I mean, it's just it's just awful. It's just awful for them. Or yeah, the other way around, South Africa tomorrow. I mean, yeah, I, I'm going to go with Australia, but I will have it on record that South Africa and Australia look atrocious and neither of them fill me with any joy. And yeah, they've been really disappointing. This whole group's been pretty shoddy. For England to be doing so well says a lot, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I think either one, either one of them, whichever one goes through is getting battered by Pakistan. 
exactly. comfortably, we comfortably battered by Pakistan. It's almost like Pakistan, Pakistan are in the final, basically, at this point. They've, they've got to be because they, I mean, I think mathematically they could still finish second, but it's very unlikely. And Australia are just so, just, it's, it's, their T20 tactics are just all wrong. They picked five openers and then Maxwell was in in the third over. So what are you doing? The ball's doing a bit. Don't bring Maxwell in. He's famously not good when the ball's doing a bit. So what are you doing? He's he's one of the best middle overs hitters in the world. And yet, oh, we're two wickets down. But we've we've got Matthew Wade and Marcus Stoinis coming afterwards who opened for their big bash teams. Now we'll send in Maxwell. He's you know he's quite good at this T20 stuff, so he'll be all right. Doesn't matter about what role we play him in. It's absurd. Their bowlers are good. But the bowlers, they're good test match bowlers. And, you know, I mean, they didn't look good against um, England, did they? <laughs> What's Agar <laughs> doing? I've never what is Agar doing? Agar as a cricketer. Like... <laughs> I, I think I described... Shocked that he's well, there. <laughs> I think I described him in the... Uh, it's it actually really harsh on Sam Curran, actually. He's been doing some great work with, with Sky. I described him as kind of the, the Australian equivalent to to Sam Curran being in the test squad. He's not good enough at batting, really. He's not good enough at bowling. But actually, it's really harsh on Sam Curran because Ashton Agar's just pretty awful at both. Yeah, the more I watch Ashton Agar play, the more I think you're being horrible to Sam Curran. Yeah, I'm being really horrible to Sam Curran. Also, Sam Curran, the the man I backed about six months ago, is better for this T20i squad than than Ben Stokes. Pick a side. If you are listening, Sam, if you are listening, Sam, it's nothing to do with your your T20 performances. And actually, I retract that statement. Ashton Agar isn't very good and i think um uh ben jones on twitter made the uh made the thing that he was he may have been brought in to contain butler and compared to australia the, the other bowlers in australian cup he did because he was the most economical to butler the only problem was he still went for 10 runs and over to butler just everyone else stuff. went for more tiny <laughs> stuff i love this has become the santner slash agar hate episode yeah we hate <laughs> left arm spinners we from hate, australasia yeah. area <laughs> there is always a moment well. towards the end of a podcast where glenn decides everyone's a shambles and we pick a hate figure <laughs> but, <laughs> this is it on a more positive note can we talk about the west indies because he did win a game courtesy of a nice throwback 2019 wicket from dre russ everyone was very very happy i know dre um, russ did a thing finally Hero did a thing, and it's amazing. It's like it's pre-COVID, and we're all happy. But looking at their schedule, I think I might predict that they're gonna make it. Oh dear. Because if they've got Australia, they've got Sri Lanka in like two days. I'm assuming they'll beat Sri Lanka because we don't. Sri Lanka are terrible. If they <laughs> wake up on the day, they should yeah. beat Sri Lanka. If and they then get they've got to the ground. <laughs> and then they've got Australia in the last game in the Glen Derby, which does feel like the time that if the winning mentality is gonna come out, that, I mean that's an occasion that they should all get up for. Which, if they win both of those games and then England beat South Africa, I think West Indies can make oh, it in second. We're on, we're on permutation yeah. watch now. It's not yeah. now you've explained it. It's not a terrible shout. It's it, they they'd have to be. I think well, depending they would. I think they would probably have to beat Australia comfortably because their net run rate is is so bad. What moment. if South Africa somehow lose to Bangladesh? Does that help? <laughs> that would that that would then still mean to to overtake. That would then still mean if South Africa lose to lose to Bangladesh, then this could be a shootout. But I think Australia's Ooh. I think Australia's net run rate is good enough that they could maybe lose, and then still go through. It'd be interesting to like when it comes to, when it comes down. I'd love to it. it. I'd love it to fall to that because that would be an excellent game of cricket. Um, Roston Chase finally played a game, which was which was fun. Uh, Thirty nine off forty six, pretty boring. What well done, Roston. 
Well, as to Jason Holder, who was amazing. When did he come? Since when was he brought back? I saw I, well, he was in the squad, was he? They're like, oh, God, you yeah. should have picked Jason. They, they found come him. Come on in. <laughs> injury injury cover for, I can't remember who for. I think, can we talk about um, Will's favourite fraud actually scoring some runs as well? I don't, yeah, you're not getting huge. away with this, Will. Yeah. <laughs> 40 from 22 for the boy, Nicky P. It was nice. It was a nice performance from home. Well done, Nicky. But you don't get to show up once in seven years and oh, claim nice. that you're still yeah. the heir apparent. <laughs> the one of nine, one of nine balls he did in the previous game. Come on, Nick. Wake Seeking up. himself in. What's the problem? Yeah, just <laughs> very careful, <laughs> isn't he? Oh, well. my, my favorite thing about <laughs> my favorite thing about the West Indies team selection is that Jason Holder, as far as I could tell, didn't seem to have to quarantine or anything. So I assume that he got himself on a plane to the UAE and hoped for the best. And then they were like, "Oh, well, Jason's here." Did he ever leave? Maybe he's never leave. I think he knew it would be a shambles and they need him at about three games in. <laughs> he's like, I'm, I'm just going to do some quarantine just because, you know, they're going to change their minds about this. They're going to know. They'll know. <laughs> um, okay, we're fighting between South Africa, Australia, and then West Indies suddenly got shoved into that getting out of England's group chat. Uh, the other group in which Pakistan are obviously through, we have to talk about Afghanistan. Uh, these two teams play each other in probably what was the most okay. enjoyable game of the World Cup so far. I didn't watch any of it annoyingly. Um, a lot of good hitting at the end from Pakistan. Um, Afghanistan have the best spin attack in the tournament. I think we all agree on that. Uh, can they sneak out of this group? I say sneak because they're not one of the traditionally bigger nations. They will be now, if not soon. Can they get out of this group ahead of you know New Zealand and who else is in there? It's the two minutes, isn't it? Ahead of New Zealand, basically. Well, this is the weird thing about scheduling, right? It's going back to the India chat. We all think Afghanistan are doing surprisingly well. And like, oh, they're the nice underdog story of the tournament. And they're actually really good. But because they still, they lost to Pakistan and they haven't played New Zealand or India yet. So like, yeah. They, look, if they, they looked be- really good against Namibia. Yeah. They which is, very, very which is great and, and lovely for them. But, you know, I mean, if you beat, you have to beat, you, have to, you definitely have to beat. New Zealand, we think. I know there's going to be some number of permutations, but pretty much I think you have to beat New Zealand. You yeah. can maybe afford to lose to India, but probably want to beat them. I mean, you'd love you to beat them. You can definitely lose. You could definitely lose to India because their net run rate is so good from those two wins, particularly that Scotland win. I think basically that game against New Zealand is pretty much a quarterfinal already. But if they've already beaten India by then, it might not be like that. It depends. It, the thing is, I can't see New Zealand. New Zealand could batter both Scotland and Namibia, but they really have to batter them, and that is that is a decent amount of pressure. So if they, if they, oh, which way around is it? If they well, bat first, it might be. Oh, I don't know which way. Around. We're in, we're in we're in a deep hole here. We're yeah, in yeah, yeah. Hole here. Let's, let's, talk good, let's talk about how good Afghanistan are. Correct. Correct. I mean, they bat Namibia. <laughs> Are in, they a good, good? in a good way, in, in, in an enjoyable way. Where were they 10 years ago? The fact that we're talking <laughs> about them as being able to qualify for the yeah. semi-finals against the fact that they could beat New Zealand. They very nearly beat Pakistan. You know, they could easily beat India the way India I, played. I think, that, I think that's why we're keen on them, because I know, Will, you're right, they've beaten two associate nations, but the way they played against Pakistan suggests they can't, who are the best team in the tournament, probably will join with England. Uh, the way they competed against that suggests they should against a stuttering India and a lackluster New Zealand. Uh, they should be able to put a fight there. I do completely agree. I'm not trying to have a go at Afghanistan. Love Afghanistan. And you're great. They they, they are will. the story. Yeah, you're, they are the story. Uh, that would be a great <laughs> narrative if Afghanistan made it to the to the semi and even won the whole thing. 
that would be beautiful for the game of cricket. And they have been very exciting and entertaining to watch, and they did put in good performances in all the games. I'm just but, saying, but, this is this is what happens to narrative in sport when you get a relatively friendly schedule. They've they've beaten Scotland and Namibia, and lost to the only good team they've played. <laughs> Will's, Will's getting salty. Will, you, listen, there's no yeah, defending definitely. India here. This is a roundabout way of defending <laughs> India. No, do you know what? I'm actually, I'm, doing, I'm actually doing the exact opposite. I'm trying to sow the seeds to um, justify my own prediction of New Zealand making the semis that I did in the preview. Because ah, in, fact, in fact, I see where this is going. Maybe New Zealand are winning it. This is too rogue. Yeah, Sorry. So, okay, New Zealand have lost to the only good team they played. <laughs> Wow. He's been Paxman. Oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the well audience has wow. spoken. Well done. That's that wheel back down that again. That was rough. Um, that was rough. One more really quick thing in Afghanistan. They played Namibia and their captain, I think his surname's Afghan. I can't remember his first name. Just that was that was the end of his career for some reason in the middle no of a politics middle involved. of an ICC no politics involved there. Just thought, you know, no, what, no let's politics involved. The video. No idea what's going on there. Uh, but I think they're the fans' favourite, aren't they? Um so yeah, plenty to watch out for. Let's let's look ahead to the upcoming games that are important for qualification that we've, you know, brushed over already in this chat. Uh, India Afghanistan starts on Wednesday. Uh, if, if Afghanistan win, then India would need would be totally out, and Afghanistan would be all but through because of the net run rate, as we said. That would that's pretty huge. I mean, obviously India would be out at that point. Uh, Australia West Indies have previewed the uh, winning mentality derby. <laughs> Can we somehow get the ICC to promote it like that? <laughs> I don't know if they would or not. Um, that could be winner takes all. Again, it's all depending on net run rate, which is becoming very important all of a sudden. Uh, England's last group game against South Africa on Saturday. Uh, probably won't be that important, really. And maybe they can rest a few. Namibia have the three biggies, Pakistan, New Zealand and India in the space of what well, less than a week. And that Afghanistan-New Zealand game is on Sunday. So I know I, I, I probably... On the vibe check, I was a little bit like, yeah, it's been okay. This is going to get exciting now, hopefully. And we've got some good cricket to look forward to. Um, should we stick our necks out quickly as we wrap it up? Uh, for me, England, Pakistan, Australia. I can't pick my fourth team. I'm going to go New Zealand. Uh, on reflection, where we're at now, I think those four teams are going through. I think we can all agree England, Pakistan. So I'd love to hear what you you guys think of the, the two teams that are going to make it into the semis alongside them. I was really going to say South Africa, but I'm going to stick to as close to my preview as I can get minus India. So I'm going to say West Indies and New Zealand. Nice. I love the West Indies comeback. That would be massive. I could almost go completely for my prediction because I would say, Dan, I'm not sure. I, I predicted Afghanistan to go through after having predicted Pakistan. I don't know if I actually said it was Afghanistan instead of Pakistan. I'm I, not sure if that was ever said. I can't remember because I feel like you were so big on Pakistan, you you, you automatically put them through. But I can't imagine before this tournament you ruling out India. So maybe you did say <laughs> Afghanistan and India. Zach's just cheated by naming three teams to go through. Yeah. Well, Zach, two, helps. two. It helps. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna go Afghanistan, Pakistan. I'm all in on Afghanistan. I nice. think they, I think they could be India. I think they should be New Zealand. Mm-hmm. I think they they certainly can. Depend, you know, they're a lot of fun. And as long as Majib's back, I mean, that game yesterday. I'm sorry for the pun already. It made all the more clear, or when it, whenever it was, uh, the case for Case Ahmed. 
not being in the squad. The case for case. Is that your like next like dissertation or something? Case, case for case. case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a man's been binned. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're going to do it as a series. We're going to release it as a book, a set of yeah. case for case and Oman cricket, the the rise of the. Oh, no, it should it should be like that Greg James podcast you did about the that weird billionaire coming in. I think we should do it in that sort of form, like sort of weird podcast form, as opposed to this sort of weird chat, I guess. The case for case Ahmed. See if this gets. Let's see if that goes off. My, for the other group, I think it's really hard to look past Australia just because of that winning mentality, like Ben said. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with my. I'm going to go with my my preview. West Indies are going to come back and they're going to absolutely batter um, Australia. They're going to batter Sri Lanka and they're going to go through with England and nice. Afghanistan, Pakistan. Okay, That's... we're getting some different views coming out here, Glenn. I think if you isn't there's an answer available that we all we want you we all suggest to... all teams. So if you say Namibia goes through, Namibia and <laughs> Scotland, top of the group. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna yeah obviously England, Pakistan. I'm gonna go Australia. Uh, for reasons I need not repeat. And uh, so I hadn't actually heard that Afghanistan's captain had uh, disappeared midway through the tournament until you just told me on air. I was just typing it up, just having a quick look at it. And that was utterly bizarre. So for I me... I just retired. He just retired. He did, yeah, you got a little phone call from someone, didn't he? And uh, had to retire. You were um, playing again. Very, very odd. For that reason, uh, you know, he's he's been a major... Um, a major contribution towards their success. He was seemed to be very, very popular with the players from some of their um, tearful tributes to his career midway through a group stage of a tournament. It's just so bizarre. I love how he just kind of skipped over it. I literally hadn't heard that. It's so odd, especially after Rashid Khan was captain for like 10 minutes a few, a few weeks ago. Anyway, um, so, yeah, hop in. Sorry, just the amount of players in this team that have been captain at one point, because... Asghar Afghan, who retired, he was captain at one point. Gulbadi Naib was captain. And the reason I hate him, I said on our chat the other day, is because he brought himself on to bowl against Pakistan in the ODI World Cup and just went for like 18. And it was just the stupidest thing ever. He was captain then. And I still don't like him. Uh, <laughs> Navi, Navi was captain from 2015 to 2017, is now captain again. And then Rashid Khan was captain for about five minutes and then wasn't <laughs> consulted on the squad. I mean, I mean, it's got it's got throws of, you know, South Africa or Pakistan organization levels there, really, doesn't it? And it can go one or two ways. Pakistan seem to always do well when everything's really bad in their organization. South Africa never do well at ICC tournaments. So I think they'll be hoping for the, you know, the kind of Pakistan to follow the Pakistan trend. Yeah, and yes, nicely put, Zach. And to, for that, for that is the reason I'm not picking Afghanistan because <laughs> I am just—it's just it's ridiculous. So I'm going to say New Zealand, and I'm going to give you a first name and a surname. Mitch Santner. He's—he's he's done it to <laughs> India. He's going to do it again. <laughs> Poor old Mitch. I'm guessing he doesn't listen. I hope he doesn't <laughs> no, listen. Okay, so yeah, we're on the same team again, Glenn. I like that. We are. Yep. Um, we're gonna, I think we got it right. We're going to get that right. Those are our mid. That's our mid tournament predictions. Then I think I think we're, there's some different ones there. It's exciting. I hope the permutations get interesting, and I hope we have to do a lot of maths in the next coming weeks. Uh, we'll be back next week to review those games. Um, it's exciting, Glenn. Until then, don't get stuck in any more lifts. <laughs> I'm going to try not to. And I will say just before we wrap up that it is. 
you know, a couple of games a day, it's tricky to, uh, my head's like spinning from looking at about three or four parallel tables. It's quite tricky to stay on top of this. So if we do help any listeners, uh, I'll be glad. But if you come away from this more confused uh, than when you press play, I can only apologize because I'm more confused than I was an hour ago. <laughs> uh, Will, don't go to Birmingham in the next week if you, if you can help it. Not that I don't want to see you, just the trains and such. Got no intention of visiting Birmingham ever again. Really, ever, if I can help it, <laughs> apart from the edge burst and test next summer. Yes, That's good, good, of course. We've got to pencil that in. And Zach, good luck on that race, rail replacement bus. Fingers crossed. Yeah, thankfully it's only an hour for our replacement, so hopefully it'll be all just, right. Just, just the hour, just the hour. Okay, great. Uh, that wraps up this week. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week to see if we're right or we're wrong. Probably wrong. Until then, thank you very much. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.